Hi, folks. Welcome to Tabletop Transmissions. I'm your host, or I'm sorry, I'm one of your hosts, Liz, and joining me is, uh, again this week, my solo co-host. Hi, I'm Cassie. Once again, Fran is indisposed, but she will be back next week, we hope. So, to kind of pick up where we left off... Um, we, 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 we were talking about Cthulhu next, last week. Um, I guess, uh, I can't remember where we left off. Yeah, I like, so we were just kind of, I think we, we've done an overview of the system. Uh, we've talked a little bit. So now I kind of wanted to talk about maybe some, because um, again, folks, remember, we are an RPG podcast. We yes. ourselves forget. <laughs> um, so we've talked a little bit about one of my favorites, Delta Green. Mm. Um, so some of the, let's, I kind of wanted to maybe look at some of the other ones that are a little bit different. Um, so there's another little call little Cthulhu game, uh, called, uh, Trail of Cthulhu. This sounds vaguely familiar. So, okay. So full disclosure, um, I am a, I, I'm a fan of this game. Okay. Um, and I do GM for Palgrave at Gen Con. Nice. Um, it's not hard. They, they actually put out, they put out a call and they're like, Hey, who would like to come GM? And I did. So. Okay. So they gave me a shirt and some swag. There um, you go. Yeah. I, so. I had a friend who was a MIB for, um, Steve Jackson games back in the nineties. And that was pretty much how that worked too. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, Trail Cthulhu is a little bit different. It is based off of the gumshoe system. Huh. Uh, one of my one of my pet peeves with Call of Cthulhu is, let's say investigators just do not find clues. They roll poorly, or they just I don't, they just don't do it. The purpose of Gumshoe is really to find clues, and then put them together. Mm. So, in order to find what they call a core clue, which is any clue that moves the story forward, you don't need to roll for anything. Um, you had generally have points and skills, um, generally ranging from one to three, and you can always spend a point to get something cooler. Like and this would be like um, something that could help you down the road, something that might lead you in a different avenue of investigation, um, something that kind of puts the spotlight on you, almost like making a critical. Mm. But again, you do not roll. Uh, so and it, it sounds sorry, to be like I'm sorry. It sounds to me like Gumshoe is more concerned with figuring things out than it is with actually mechanically finding the clues. Correct. Okay. That is absolutely correct. Um, and there and there are some dice rolling, like for anything that might fail, that might have consequences. Generally, hmm. physical actions. Right, you'll, like a you'll fist roll fight a, You'll roll a d6, um, but you can spend a number of points and add that to the roll. And generally, you're trying to beat a target number of four. It mm. can be higher, but generally, it's around four. You are making me want to play all these games that I do not have the money to buy or the time to play. Uh, <laughs> we, will, we will find an evening where I can do... Um, 
One of the cool side things is that Pelgrane also does a game called Cthulhu Confidential. Oh my gosh. Which uses a hacked version of Gumshoe uh, called Gumshoe 1 to 1. So it's like for one GM, one player. Oh, that's cool. So we can find an evening and I can run something for you. Okay, maybe, yeah. But, um, yeah, so um, I am a fan of that primarily because sometimes players are like herding cats. Yes. Um, it's it's got some funky bits, but it does have a lot of a lot more that I like that is cool. Uh, I believe there's going to be a second edition coming out sometime. I think maybe in 2020. Okay. Uh, I actually haven't. I'll be honest. I just haven't had the money to get any get a lot of books lately, and because I'm playing Star Trek, that's where that's where the money goes. Focus. Yeah. 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 Um. So. <clears throat> Another kind of off-the-wall one that is, I think, really interesting and probably very interesting to our core audience uh, because it involves punching Nazis. Yay! Um, Axon Cthulhu. Um, it, is, it is by Modifius. So, again, the same folks that make uh, Star Trek Adventures, Conan, Mutant Year Zero. Uh, and it's World War Two. It's very pulpy. Um, you can use a couple different systems for it. The base game is uh, Call of Cthulhu, which is regular Call of Cthulhu with some kind of extra pulp elements. Mm-hmm. And um, then there's a Savage Worlds version. Oh, wow. Which, that's the version I like just because it just feels better. Well, I mean, that's pulp, pulp, and more pulp. Yeah. <laughs> um, there is also a Fate version. Oh, yeah, cool. Which is... Which, may, which is simpler, I'm sure. Very. That's, if I yeah. get, that's probably what I'm going to be running with my group. Okay. Is the Fate version. Yeah, I have a couple of Fate games that I've read, but I've never actually played. <laughs> Which is I, I backed Fate Core and I ordered Fate Dice from their original Fate Dice Kickstarter. Wow. I've never used them. Oh. Yeah, I have I, Spirit of the Century and a couple of others. Um, that I you know, again, it's one of those things where no one's interested in playing. So Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you do? You start you start an RPG podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think I really do think that's why we started this. It's quite possible, yeah. Um, anyway, so and then there's going to be a two D twenty version of Acton Cthulhu, hmm. which is um, Modifius's in-house system. Um, which I don't know. We'll see. It works great for Star Trek. Um, we'll see how the how they change it up for Acton Cthulhu. I, I imagine it will work fine. But I'll probably still stick to Savage Worlds. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, Savage Worlds is a system entirely built to do something like you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, should we talk about Savage Worlds? Uh, yeah, let's talk a little bit about Savage Worlds. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it is what it says on the box. It is a Pulp Fiction um, role-playing game. Um, the emphasis is on two fisted he-man action or he-woman action. <laughs> I think that's pretty accurate. Yeah. 
Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I could talk a lot about Pulp Fiction, but um, that gets us off our topic. But basically, Pulp Fiction, I guess I should give a definition. Pulp Fiction is, um, in a technical sense, Pulp Fiction is fiction that was published on cheap mag magazines um, from the early 20th, around 18, late 1890s all the way through the 1950s, although by the 1950s-something, it was pretty much dead. Um, it's called. It was the successor to the dime novels. It was called Pulp Fiction because it was printed on the cheapest paper possible made of wood pulp. Um, and um, that it is a generic term, but when we talk about the genre of Pulp Fiction, a lot of the times what we're talking about are the, the big adventure stories, um, whether they be... Um, uh, yeah, you know, two-fisted detectives uh, like uh, the Continental Op uh, from Dashiell Hammett and all the stuff of Black Mask, or um, uh, science fiction like uh, from Amazing Stories or or um, or the s similar uh, in or space well, opera. Buck space Rogers. Opera. Buck Rogers. Well, Buck Rogers. Uh, Buck Rogers is a weird, weird kind of uh, uh, thing because you know he's the first. The original two stories about Anthony Rogers were in Amazing, but then when uh, when it was essentially acquired by uh, a comic uh, newspaper publisher, then it, it's a it's a weird thing. Anyway, mm. uh, or um, Captain Future or things like that. And then there were, but there were pulps for everything. There were Western pulps, romance pulps. Um, what the, the, I mean, the, the first two big superstars of pulp, I think, were uh, Tarzan, of course, mm -hmm. um, and uh, um, John Carter, both, both by Edgar, Edgar Rice, Rice Burroughs. Burroughs. Yep. Yeah, I mean, John Carter was, I, I, um, absolutely love the uh, the a princess of mars the first john carter book mm -hmm. it was it's just so fun and so not great but so fun <laughs> yeah no there's some problems yeah but it, um, but it is like um if you don't want to read that pulp version uh the john carter movie not it, bad i really I, liked it good i um i mean there were some i had some problems with it like they changed some of the plot a bit but some of the visuals i was very surprised. Um, they were they were like right out of the original art. They really were, and um, it, the movie. The thing that pisses me off about the movie is um, the bad reviews for the movie were written before the movie came out. Mm -hmm. It was all, by the time the movie came out, it was already. Uh, I mean, before it came out, it was already dismissed as a failure, and so it failed. And that pissed me off because I really wanted to see more John Carter films. Yeah, I did too. Um, but we're getting a little off topic. Anyway, um, so that's kind of what we're talking about when we're talking about pulp. And the nice thing about Blazing Worlds is Savage they Worlds. do th – oh, sorry, oops, you're right. Uh, they do things in those settings. They actually have um, – um, what do you call it? Um, source books. Mm -hmm. for You know, you can play a Western pulp. You can play uh, a high-adventure pulp. Like, you know um, – great example of a high adventure pulp that people have heard of is The Most Dangerous Game by Richard Condell. Um, a lot of people have heard of that. I don't know if you've heard of it. I, I read it in school. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's the guy who gets shipwrecked on the island who's a big game hunter and he discovers that 
the dude, the crazy dude who owns the island likes to hunt people. <laughs> so that's the humans are the most dangerous game. Good times. Uh, yeah, it's a great story. Um, and it's been adopted 27 bazillion times in various media. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, so so it's 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 cool because um, you can actually play that kind of thing in a system that is built for it. Yeah, and Seven Worlds, um, there is a version of Cthulhu. It's just regular Cthulhu for Savage Worlds. Um, I think you sh- you can find a um, digital copy. Finding a physical copy is going to be a little difficult. Yeah, what does Drive Through have it probably? Yeah, they have it. It's called um, uh, Realms of Cthulhu, but it is also very good. Mm. Uh, it's by Reality Blurs. Okay. Um. So, kind of going back to some weirder, some some of the modern adaptions of Cthulhu. Cassie, have you ever heard of uh, Charles Strauss? Yeah, Charlie Strauss. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, have you read The Laundry? I have not. I'm I'm familiar with him. I I have to say I'm unfortunately less familiar with his work. Okay, so um, this is a game. Unfortunately, so there is a tabletop game of this. Unfortunately, it is it is out of print because it was published by Cubicle Seven. And they lost their license from Chaosium to to use BRP and, and some all this other stuff. It was yeah, it was rough. Mm. Um, but unfor- so unfortunately, it's hard to find. But if you can track down a copy of it, it's well worth a read uh, because because there's the novels themselves which are still in print. Um, let me explain what it is first. Okay. Um, so it's a series of British science fiction novels. Um, and it, there, it, so magic is real in this world. Uh, for those of you who don't know who Alan Turing is, we look at him as today the modern, the father of modern computing. Yeah, if you don't know who Alan Turing is, look up Alan Turing. Look up who Alan Turing is. He's, he's, <laughs> he's he, he is absolutely a queer icon. If you're an LG, yeah, if you're an LGBT plus person who does not know who Alan Turing is. You should find out who Alan Turing is. The Cliff Notes version, again, for those of you who don't know, um, is he was a British codebreaker, um, developed really the first computer to help break codes, How, um, and then he eventually ended up committing suicide because he was found out as gay. Okay, so I, I got I to add to the Cliff Notes part of this. Yes, yeah, go for it. Um, basically, being uh, having homosexual intercourse was illegal in Britain at the time. Um, this is the 50s now. Um, actually, it was illegal until the 70s. Yay! Um, and uh, so Turing, he had he reported a break-in at his house, and he mentioned his boyfriend. Um, and the police took him, and he, he was forced to take, um, um, uh, ironically, testosterone-suppressing medication to kill his sex drive. Um, And um, there are some reports that said he was okay with that sentence. It's hard to say. There are also some speculation that he didn't actually commit suicide, that it was an accident, 
but um, the general um, story is that he committed suicide because of this horrible thing that they that the state forced upon him. Yeah. Um, in the world of the laundry, first of all, what I like about the laundry is that they don't um, they 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 don't um, whitewash him being queer. He's he's still very much queer. Um, however, he wasn't working on breaking code. That was kind of a happy accident. Um, instead, what he was working on was a way to reliably use what we call magic. Um, because in the world of the laundry, magic isn't magic. It's mathematical formula that if you solve have uh, effects in realms of different dimen- different dimensions and then those effects can transfer over here sort um, of like uh, Doctor Who's block transfer computations fair, yeah essentially <laughs> to get um, really geeky here um, however prior to Turing um, solving those mathematical equations would open your brain up to transdimensional parasites, and they would uh, scoop out little bits of your gray matter every time, driving you insane. Hmm. Turing found a way to make magic work without, uh, you know, people going crazy. That, uh, that would have helped in the war, yeah. That would have. So, and then <laughs> the people, yeah, the people using this to fight the war were the. OSS, uh, a division called the Laundry, huh. um, and they are still they are still around. They are uh, a secret secret service charged with investigating the occult and the weird. Uh, and the main character of the series is this guy named Bob Howard, who is just your kind of at the beginning of the books is your normal dork. He. Uh, he likes comics and video games and nerd stuff. He also was playing around with some fractal designs and some hyperspatial geometry mm. and almost flattened leads by summoning Nyarlathotep. <laughs> so he gets recruited into the laundry. He's basically given a choice. Full life, have nothing to do with computers ever again, be on a watch list, or you can come work for us. And so he decides to go work for them. Agent, and there's all this other shenanigans. Um, there's a, like I said, the point of this is there is a role-playing game where you can take on the role as a laundry officer, uh, and it's it's really good. Um, how and, is and, it? How is it different than say being an investigator or Delta Green or something like that? The tone overall is it takes the approach of you can so you're surrounded by cultists. You're pretty sure they're going to eat your liver as part of a sacrifice, mm-hmm. and you've got two options: go mad or crack jokes. Uh, it chooses the crack jokes option. Ha! Okay, so you're it's okay. So it's uh, it's more of a wisecracking. Or quipping James Bondy kind of. It thing. is. It is. It's like the first three books. It was only originally meant to be three books. 
Mm-hmm. But um, and this is the, this is the novels we're talking about. Um, each book was kind of based was riffing off of a different spy author. Uh-huh. Like the first book was very John Le Carre, um bureaucracy of being a spy kind of thing. Yeah, Le Carre, but that's... Le, or Le Carre, thank you. It's not even his real name. <laughs> um, the other book, the second book, is riffing off of Ian Fleming, James Bond. Uh huh. Uh, <laughs> such a good twist. Um, and then the third one is meant to be Robert Ludlum. Ah, okay. And then they kind of develop their own sense of style afterwards. They don't really do that bit anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're really good. Uh, I can't recommend them enough for some Lovecraftiana, but without the baggage of Lovecraft. And it's Charles Strauss, Charlie Strauss. Yes. Okay. Who is really nice. Uh, he, he's, he's, he's just a, he's a nice kind of fun guy. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, so yeah, that's those are the novels. Uh, check them out. Um. All right, so Cassie, I would consider myself a subject matter expert when it comes to Cthulhu. Fair enough. Are there any questions you've always had but have been too afraid to ask, or temporarily <sighs> insane? Um. Well, you're hitting. You're see. This is one of those things where I was asking you if you're going to put me on the spot. Um. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, if you don't want to, it's absolutely <laughs> no. It's okay. It's okay. Let me think. I mean, I know a lot about the 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 um, the written work of uh, Lovecraft and 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 a lot of the weird tales writers. Um, as far as gaming, what's your favorite? What's your favorite mythos-based game? Ooh, my favorite mythos-based game. Um, probably Delta Green. Okay. The new edition. Um, I mean, if I'm going for just not mechanics, well, let me ask you, are you talking mechanically or story-wise? Let's do both. One, Let's do each. Okay. Mechanically, it would be Trail of Cthulhu. Okay. Um, and actually, you know what? I was about to say Delta Green, and there is a gumshoe version of Delta Green. Oh, wow. called The Fall of Delta Green. It's set in the 60s. Uh-huh. But you know what? I think I'm going to have to go with, as far as setting, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to go with another Trail of Cthulhu setting called The Book Hounds of London. Oh, that sounds intriguing. It is. So Trail's, <laughs> Trail's big thing is it's set in the 30s. Mm-hmm. So the Great Depression is, is going on. The Nazis uh, in, are insane. Oh, yeah. Nazis are looming large. Um... And in Bookhounds, you play as well just that um, people who are who's who deal in rare books. Ooh. And the rare book trade was mercenary in the '30s because you had all these these rich old folks dying and bears selling their books collections to try to they weren't interested in them. Yeah, yeah. So or, or just any other you know a ton of other ways all these rare books could get on the market. Yep. And so, yeah, you know, maybe a cultist comes in looking for a book. You help him find it. Uh, maybe you don't. Maybe you give it to him. Maybe you don't. Uh, maybe you don't care what happens. Um, that sounds cool. <laughs> it, yeah. Um, it's 
really is. There's a whole new type of magic. Well, actually, I'm sorry. There's two new types of magic. Uh, there is geomancy. Uh huh. That's so, magic. Yeah, yeah. Sort of. Well, or yeah, more geography based. So like it. Uh, I guess it's cityomancy. <laughs> uh, where you're using locations in the city and drawing lines, and, and doing things to power rituals all over the city. Huh. So, like, maybe you conduct a ritual at three different houses that have burned down that form a triangle, and you can cause someone's house in the center of that triangle to burn down. Mm-hmm. Things like that. There's all sorts of crazy stuff you can do. And then there's also this kind of incidental magic. It's things that the city does that you're not quite sure how it does it. Like, like it's always, you know, you know that if you put something in a specific locker at King's Cross Station, you walk around the block clockwise twice, walk around it one more time counterclockwise, and then come back with a quail egg in your pocket. Um, and you open it up, whatever item you've put in there is now going to have just four copies of. Okay, I gotta read this book. I gotta it, read this game. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's weird. You get to make your own bookshop. Like each player gets to define one characteristic. Oh. Okay. It's uh, it's good. It's Fran, really good. Fran, if you're listening to this, Fran, c- come on, Fran. You know, you know we you know we want to play this. I will. I will absolutely <laughs> run a game. I gotta get a copy. So it's a uh, is it still available at Drive Through or it is um, available at Drive Through. It's available on Pelgrim Press's website. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pelgrim Press is a really good website. I will. I don't mean to plug for them so much this episode, but can can you spell it please for folks? Pelgrim. Yeah. P e l g r a n e. That's what I thought it was, but yep. just making sure. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> we're sure not going to, I mean, I guess we could show a little bit for Chaosium too, but, because they have, yeah. they, they have done some, some very good games. But, they, oh, absolutely. Like, they've just got one out that's called Down Darker Trails. Mm-hmm. I talked a little bit about it in our Western episode, but it's oh, Wild was... West. Uh, it's, uh, it's really good. Yeah, but I mean, I, I, um, uh, there's the, um, whatever the hell they're calling their Elric game. Is that still in print? Oh, um. I have Melna Bonet and I have Elric, and I don't think either of those are, uh. I don't think so. Yeah, they're in print, but that was an interesting system. It was ridiculously complex. Isn't that the same system they used for kind of a short-lived game called Nephilim? Yes, I believe it is. Um, it was. It it was it. Well, the the second the, the second edition I have the Elric Elric uh, with the exclamation mark um, was a little simpler, but the original game was just. It was also percentile based, but it was percentile based in a way where. 
uh, it was the old thing where, you know, every time you did something, you had a chance to get better in it, so you had to roll three times to do anything and all that stuff. Yeah. So I there was that. that. Yeah. So there weird. was that. <laughs> there was that. Um, I think they were one of the publishers of Pendragon at one point in time, which... I think so. I always wanted to play Pendragon. It's um, such a cool game. They did RuneQuest, right? In fact, RuneQuest. they re-released RuneQuest. That was it. RuneQuest. It was the same. Uh, Mel Navone was the same system as RuneQuest. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which, um, the new RuneQuest is really is really good. Really? Because the old one was just incredibly arcane. <laughs> it's no, it's a lot better. It's pretty much, it's pretty much a more customized version of BRP. Oh, okay. Uh, I like, and then there's also. That's a lot simpler. And there's also a version for 13th Age, if you're familiar with that game. Uh, I've heard of it. Yeah, that one I don't know. Yeah, it, that one. That one's fun. Uh, but anyway, so now that we've shilled for Chaosium, mm -hmm. <laughs> we can get back to Pelcrane. Yeah, well, so that's my yeah. So, um, uh, like I said, that would be my favorite setting. Okay. Uh, and. That one of the neat things about it is there's all this way there's different like different little levers and things you can flip like like rules for doing it rules for changing your game to where you can get a specific tone you're looking for mm. it's it's really good it's really neat it's written by i believe ken height wrote this one oh, okay. i know he wrote the base game but i think he wrote this one too but um, yeah, that's my favorite. Okay, uh, let me think. Is there anything else? Uh, da, 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 da. Well, actually, uh, I'm gonna flip it around and probably ask a question you don't want me to ask. But what's your least favorite, mechanics-wise and setting-wise? Oh, least uh, favorites maybe. Least favorite setting. Um, that's pretty easy. Um, and I'm not sure. Well, I, I've got some complaints with this book. There was a game called um, Eldritch Skies, which okay. is science fiction Cthulhu. Huh. Well, um, I mean, I yeah. I got burned on the Kickstarter for it. Ah. Uh, so I, I kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. I don't really like them. Mm -hmm. uh, what, did of, they did they not actually wind up shipping or something? They. I did not. I backed for getting to help create a, a a planet in the setting, ah, as well as getting um a second an additional print copy of a book. Mm -hmm. It never showed up, and I was told over, "Well, we shipped it." And I was like, "Well, I don't have it." Uh, so that's the point where good customer service is. Well, we'll ship it again. Yeah. Well, the guy tried. He said he tried. Three uh, times, and it's like, well, I, I just, you know, I don't believe you, because anyway, because I give him, I gave him, I don't know. Anyway, we're not gonna get to that, but <laughs> yeah, I got burned on the Kickstarter, so I just, I'm not, I don't really like their stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, my least favorite mechanic. Hmm. My least favorite mechanic is Call of Cthulhu. You have attributes, like you have dexterity, you have charisma, mm -hmm. um, 
a lot of those don't really play character. You never really end up using those. Yeah, they really feel like a relic from um, this is how you a game is supposed to be, rather than. I mean, the one thing that they the thing that they can give you is they can give you a better idea of how to roleplay your character. You know, like if you're if you just if you have high dexterity, maybe you can um, say, oh, he's he or she is really uh, nimble or something like that. But yeah, physical stats they're good for fighting if you have to. Although in Call of Cthulhu, you should probably try to avoid that. But um, I, it, it feels like uh, this is what a role-playing game is supposed to have, so we have to have it. Yeah, and that and it's they've changed them for some of the edition. There, there are a lot more of kind of guidelines for how to role-play your character now, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't played a lot of some of the edition, so I'm not 100 percent sure how well they do. Um, but yeah, that's probably my least favorite mechanic. Okay. Jeez. Uh, 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 <laughs> favorite mechanic would probably be um, sanity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, especially if you have a good good role playing group, not a good gaming group, but a good role playing group, then that starts to get really fun. Yeah. Well, I think we're getting a little long here. Yeah, we are. So let's go ahead. Um, let's go ahead and do shout outs. So what's your uh, what's going to be your shout out for this week, Kathy? Kathy, are you still there? Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you now. Okay, sorry. Uh, I had something going on wrong with my mic. Sorry, everybody. Um, you go first. Okay, um, I'm going to give a shout-out to, uh, <laughs> I almost said to the seltzer I'm drinking, <laughs> to Polar's Cranberry Lime Seltzer. Yeah. <laughs> I mistakenly thought it was a different flavor. Oh. No, um, you know, I'm just going to reiterate something I said last episode. It's going to be the Call of Cthulhu 7th Edition Quick Start. Okay. Uh, it's available on DriveThruRPG, and it's enough to kind of give you a taste of what Cthulhu Gaming is like. You could really run a short campaign with it. Um, it I'm going to totally dr- download it. <laughs> it's, it's good. It's really good. It's a good scenario. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's good. Uh, I have decided on my shout-out. It's not something new, but it's something that's been going on for a little while. Um, I'm going to keep on with the horror theme, but I'm going to sort of uh, take it in an unexpected direction. Um, Last year, Marvel Comics um, started putting out a new Hulk series called The Immortal Hulk. It's by uh, Al Ewing and uh, generally drawn by... It's drawn by a few people, but generally Joe Bennett. And... um, it is the Hulk as a horror comic, and it is absolutely freaking brilliant. Ooh, I've seen yeah. that. I'm gonna have to... Yeah, it, it it captures the feel of the original six magazine issues, or not magazine issues, the original six issues from the early 60s, which were very much 
much more of a monster horror comic than a superhero comic. And, um, and yeah, I mean, it, it reminds me, if, it, if it's going to remind me of anything, it reminds me a lot of the first time I read Alan Moore's Swamp Thing run with us, uh, Alan Moore uh, and Bissett and Tottleman Swamp Thing. Um, it, you know, it's not on that level because, you know, but it's just, it, it's a good horror comic. It's an honest-to-God good horror comic, and I would definitely recommend it. I think it's, there are a couple of collections out at this point. Nice. That might be that might be my plain book. <laughs> I will warn you. It, you know, I, the thing that I I, I want to say is, it's not your happy superhero book, and it's not your dark superhero book. It's your horror superhero book, and so that's just a warning to everybody out there. It, we're not talking Bill Bixby, Lou Ferrigno. Mm. Um, for those of you who are as old as I am. <laughs> hey, I got that reference. Oh, hey, cool, yeah. What, you watching? you watch it in reruns on, like, MeTV or something? I have no DVDs. <laughs> but, yeah, no, they used to be on after school, so I'd come home and watch it. Oh, God. <laughs> that and Kolchak the Night Stalker. Oh, Kolchak, well, Kolchak the Night Stalker is before my time, okay? Yeah, so that's but, okay. No, they would... They would run them back to back on Sci Fi Channel after, like, at three o'clock in the afternoon. Oh my gosh! Wow. Uh, so yeah, so I think that's going to be my shout out for this week. All right. Well, remember, folks, you can find me at little underscore Lizzie twenty two at uh, Twitter, and I am on Twitter at Tip Transformed, and we are available on Facebook. Um, at uh, Tabletop Transmissions. We have our little fan page there. And we are on Twitter, and um, at we are at Transmissions. And let me spell it for you because I spelled it wrong. <laughs> Remember, folks, we're professionals. Yep. Uh, we are at T-R-A-N-S-M-I-S-T-I-O-N-S. We are available um on iTunes and Podbean, and if you are on iTunes, um, please leave us a review, a comment, anything that will help us with iTunes algorithms so more people can find us. Um, and uh, actually, before we go, I want to ask, I want to issue a challenge to the listeners. I would really, really like to do an episode. Um, where we talk about your comments and questions. Um, it's not going to be next episode, I'm sure, but I would really like to do that in the future. So I'm asking, please, ask questions either on Twitter, on Facebook, even to me, Fran, or Liz, pers- you know, on Facebook personally or on Twitter personally. And um, I'd really like to do a whole show of reader, reader comments and questions. Yes, that would be super fun, and we want to answer your questions. That's right. So remember, folks, if there's something squamous and terrible in the corner, it's just us. (laughs) And uh, if it's not us, burn it with fire. Very true. Uh, (laughs) Very, very true. (laughs) All right, goodbye, everybody. Have a good week. Later, gang.